Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego Kyle on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, how are you? I'm doing great. We have a wonderful I guess I'll call him a guest because he hasn't been on for a while. Super famous. Super right? famous guy. Super famous guy. Yes. It's Johan Klaassen joining us today. Hooray. Yay, Johan. Welcome back. Yeah. Yay, thank you. I'm, I I said it, it already, but I, it's, it's true. I miss your face. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. And I yours. <laughs> this is like a big group hug. This is fantastic. I know oh. it is. It's... um. You know, I'm living far away now, and I I do miss miss the uh, the face of Johan. So anyway, well, it's but, been a couple months. I know yeah. it has. Um, but anyway, let's um, let's get into this conversation. We are going to talk about what happened in the markets last year. Yep. <laughs> it's, it was a crazy year, wasn't it, Johan? It was very weird, very strange. Yeah, <sighs> definitely. We finally got that year that I had been saying to clients for so long, you know, the market's been up for a while. We could have a pretty good down year soon. <laughs> I felt pretty like good. a broken record. <laughs> a good down year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we do need those to reset uh, yeah. periodically uh, so that things don't get too far out of whack. But I don't think anybody is happy about it. Uh, nobody oh, no. I've talked to recently has been excited Um to have I, had that prediction come true, right? Right. I know. I just like people to be ready for when it happens. And I don't really like it either. One, for the client accounts at Horizons and, and you know, my personal accounts. It's not so fun. Mm -hmm. I get it. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, Johan, I know you, when you and I were talking about this, you said that there are four things that happened in the markets in 2022. Oh, that you wanted to address. Oh, well, sure. Uh, so, well, do you want to four... start with an overview maybe? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, um, the place to start is probably with the overview. Yeah. Um, the, the markets were down. Everything was down. Almost everything was down, I should say. Right. Um, we had, um, the S and P 500, which is what most of us use to talk about the, United States um, stock market in general. That was down. Um, once we include all the dividends and all that kind of fun stuff, just over 18% down for the year. Hmm. Okay. So that's kind of a lot. Um, the The broader market indexes, you know, the Russell 3000, which is kind of everything in the stock market, in the US stock market, that was down a little more than 19%. Same kind of deal. The bond market, the bonds were down as well, which is weird. That is surprising, isn't it? Yeah, the intermediate bonds were down nine and a half percent for the year. The Bloomberg oh, yeah. Berkeley U.S. aggregate, um, and it's uh, if we looked at 
um, the 30 year US treasuries, you know, the long bonds, those were down even uh, a lot more. So that's something that people don't always expect. You know, I've heard this before when the market's down, bonds will be up. Um, but yeah. that's not always true. And and this is the second significant time in my 25-year history in this business that I've seen this happen. Yeah, it's, it is it is unusual. You know, nor, uh, in ordinary circumstances, if stocks are down, then bonds are at least flat, you know, don't not going anywhere, sometimes even up. But this time, it just, that's just not what happened. Um, and I think that's because, you know, the thing that prompted all of this was um, the Federal Reserve trying to get a handle on it, um, inflation. Right. Um, so they raise interest rates. And when interest rates go up, the value of bonds goes down. And the longer the bond, uh, you know, till maturity, the the more of an impact it has um, on the on the value of the bond. So shorter term bonds are down less and longer term bonds are down a lot. I'm really glad you explained that because I think a lot of people forget or don't know that there's that inverse relationship. And they yeah. think, well, interest rates are up. Why are my bonds down? But yeah. it's that inverse relationship that that happens, right? Well, if if I if Johan Incorporated were to issue a bond <laughs> today or you know a, a year ago, yeah, um, at say five percent, and the the market around me suddenly the interest rates start to rise, and the interest rates go up to ten percent for similar bonds. Well, nobody's going to want to buy my Johan Inc. bond at 5%. They're going to want me to give them a discount on the price so to the point where it amounts to the same thing as, as having a 10% bond. Yeah. So it's it, it makes sense when you think about it in those terms. But yeah, it is a little weird. Not that I'm yeah. not, not that I'm issuing any bonds in Johan Incorporated. Right. I, I was just thinking, <laughs> um, wow, can I actually buy shares of Johan? <laughs> <laughs> not today, not for sale. No, okay, <laughs> great. Excellent. Moving but, on. <laughs> yeah. So, so just about everything is down and I have to say just about everything because not everything was down for 2022. I was watching, well, one of the, uh, one of the uh, market report shows uh, in the last week of December. Um, and they were talking about how there were four parts of the market that were still that were up actually for 2022 uh and they said um so the four parts in inverse order <laughs> so um, <laughs> keep that inverse yeah the, thing the, happening. the fourth best thing was the u.s dollar so as currency speculation speculating the u.s dollar against other kinds of currencies the u.s dollar was up a lot um now our clients didn't benefit from that because we don't do any currency speculation in their accounts. Right. Um, Unless they're so, traveling overseas and exchanging. Well, <laughs> yeah. You, you, that, that's not me doing that though. That's, no, no. That's the exchange rates uh, folks at, at their credit card companies probably. Um, so the, the third best uh, part of the market was commodities. So things like copper and oil, I guess, um, and, and other, um, you know, industrial metals and gold, all that kinds kind of things. things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that was up a lot this year, but again, our clients don't participate in that because uh, copper and oil and so on are, we can't, there really isn't currently a good uh, environmentally sustainable way to get that stuff out of the ground. 
Yeah, the extraction piece is just horrendous. Yeah, we tend to avoid that part of the market. And there's there's also, you know, one of the main ways that people get at commodities is, again, with futures and, and all kinds of derivative contracts. And that's, again, highly speculative, and we don't want to mess with that. Right. So... So Horizons just doesn't do those types of things. It takes a very specialized, uh, you know, person to really understand that and be able to trade in those areas. So exactly, yeah. So let's see. So the the second best uh, part of the marketplace for 2022 was military contractors. Boo. Who, yeah, those don't show up in our portfolios either. I'm then, pretty sure that 99.9 percent of Horizons clients are happy about that. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> and the very best part of the market uh, for 2022 was oil and gas companies. Also a boo. And again, yeah, there are, we we end up having maybe one or two of the smaller oil and gas companies in our portfolios here and there when the model managers or the mutual fund managers think there's an opportunity to do some shareholder advocacy and talk to those companies and get them to clean up their act a little bit while they're doing their dirty business. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough uh, road. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the clients that we have who have a, a zero carbon energy policy in place for their accounts would not have benefited from it. Uh, even those tiny little pieces. So the four best parts of the marketplace for 2022 are all things that our clients didn't get to participate in. And to some extent, the reason we didn't participate in those with our clients is because they didn't want us to, like military contractors and oil and gas. And also because it's difficult, if not impossible, and highly speculative to do uh, the other things in, in anything like a reasonable way. So. It all makes sense. Yeah. So, but unfortunately, it means that our client accounts are a little bit behind the benchmarks for the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that makes sense. And, you know, if we're letting, you know, letting those folks know, letting clients know mm-hmm. that that's the case, most of them are okay with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, the, the one important thing that I've been able to talk with clients about uh, recently is that. When we look at the actual performance, especially clients who've been with us for a while, yeah. we can go back for a 10-year time frame and say, look, when we set up your account 10 years ago, we thought it was going to get 4.5%. And now here we are 10 years later, and the average annual return has been 4.5%. Look at that. Hey. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we, our, we hit the target. Um, right. And then talking to them about why that is that, you know, our long-term, our 10-year expectations, our long-term expectations were set with the understanding that we get one of these bear market uh, nastinesses about once a decade. And so understanding that that was likely to happen once in a a 10-year period, we got one. (laughs) This one's a little late, you know, uh, the right. last one was 2008, 2009. So this is a little, it was a little late arriving, but here it is. It, here it is. Can I ask you a question, Johan? Um, you mentioned that, you know, when you were talking to this client or several clients, you said, mm-hmm. when we opened your accounts, the expectation of return was X percentage and 
tell the listeners how you come up with that data, with that percentage estimate, Ooh, estimate, magic. magic. Oh, no. <laughs> it's my crystal ball. No, 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 no. The, the magic eight ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, the, um, there are a handful of uh, data suppliers uh, out there who who do a really good job of uh, cross comparing um, past performance um, and per past performance trends uh, with current uh, economic conditions, and those folks go back. You know, they they take the last hundred years worth of uh, performance data and look at the patterns that they find in there. And um, and they look at the performance probabilities for each separate asset class. So big companies in the United States, small companies in the United States, uh, European companies, Asian companies, all of that. And then and then bonds too, government bonds and and corporate bonds and and everything. They they compare all of those things and come up with different numbers for each of them. Then I go through and put all of those numbers back together. I, I take the data, those numbers from several different sources, um, and I crunch them back together, giving them different weightings based on um, you know how well, based on how good they've been in the past. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? yeah. Um, it's the know, only the, way the, we know how to do it. Right. The folks who've had a better track record of making those kind of predictions in the past, I'm going to listen to their voices a little, a little more closely. Um, so I, I wait, I reweight all of those and then crunch them through in a big, ugly spreadsheet. Ooh, and, sounds uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> always. Yeah. Um, I love a good spreadsheet. I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then we put those together and then we, we add those into our investment policy statements, uh, which we provide to every client on their way in the, well, not on their way in the door, but after <laughs> we've had a chance to to chat with them a little bit about who they are and what they're up to. Right. And also updating that investment policy statement on a yep. regular basis. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been interesting watching those numbers change over the 25 years. Uh, well, you know, 22 years that you and I have known each other yeah. Yeah. and, and you've been doing this. So 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, those, that average annual return was a bit higher. Yeah. Well, the expectations were higher yeah. coming out of the nineties. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's, uh, expectations were sort of, uh, warped maybe is the right way to put it Absolutely. by the, the wonderful, marvelous returns of the late nineties. And then we had the, the dot-com bust. Mm. Um, so yeah, when we were, I remember when we were first starting, well, when I was first starting with, you know, a previous firm. Um, <laughs> thinking the thinking at that time, you know, in 2000, 2001 was that an all stock portfolio should get about 12% per year. Uh, now we're wow. not thinking anything like that now, no. No. Um, but that was, that was, those based were the on, days. Yeah. I, late nineties. Right? It was crazy. Yeah, it was, it was weird. Um, but that seemed like if anything, you know, people were saying, well, why should, why should I give you my money if it's only going to earn 12%? Why don't I just go down the street here and <laughs> open an account at, at whatever the discount brokerage was at, at the debt at the time and, uh, and load myself up with um, internet stocks. Uh, well, because boom, it you know? was going to be a painful ride down. And right. yeah, I remember when, back in the day when I was working with Richard Barr and mm -hmm. he had a few clients who really wanted him 
to put them all in technology, which was mm-hmm. booming there in the late nineties. And he, right. he said, no. And I would guess maybe 10% of those people who asked, cause actually a lot of people asked, um, left, mm. that's fine. Uh, and the yeah. rest understood the principles of balancing your portfolio with several asset classes. Yes. <laughs> diversification and understanding that the markets are going to go down as well. And they don't always go up 20, 25%. Right. Well, you know, just before, uh, just before I started in the SRI world in the is sustainable investing, um, I was working for a big mutual fund company and, and part of my job was to, talk to the little old ladies who would call in um, and they were there they were trying to get themselves out of those technology funds because they were worried mm. um and you know they had enjoyed the 100 150 200 percent per year growth over those last <laughs> couple of years in the 90s right um but they were getting worried that things were getting a little weird and it was part of my job to talk them into staying oh no that's uh, I was unfortunately kind of good at it too. Um, oh. but that's a, that was a, a not inconsequential part of why I started looking for, I, I've heard of this thing called ethical investing. I wonder if it's possible to do that really here in, in Colorado. And so, it was, yeah, yeah you made was, the transition, yeah. which is great. And it's funny you say that you were very good at it because I know the clients that you talk to feel very comfortable with you well, good. <laughs> and they like you. So it's great, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, at the, one of the things about diver- uh, one other note about that and about diversification, um, the, at the very peak of the NASDAQ and the, the tech stock boom, um, 80%, I, I remember reading this statistic, uh, 80% of all new money going into the market at that time was going into those science, those technology funds, uh, those dot-com stocks, 80%, right at the peak. And yeah. then, of course, over the next nine to 12 months, those, uh, you know, those companies that didn't go bankrupt then uh, <laughs> dropped by 80% in their in value. Yeah, right? so, isn't that, it's, it, it's amazing. So that there's a lesson there. Yeah. Don't jump in when everything's been up for a while. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and be careful, right? Uh, yeah. It's um, the, uh, and, and keep yourself diversified. You know, we know that if we try and follow that hot dot, right? And if we're trying to, to, to buy into the thing that's doing the best, uh, oil and gas comp- uh, stocks right now. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk about that for a minute because sure. the, this, the companies are doing well, these big companies, but I've also noticed a drop in gas prices uh-huh. at the same time. And also at the same time, it is almost impossible to find a newer hybrid vehicle. Mm. Interesting. Interestingly enough. So I, I'm trying to buy one. Oh, um, yeah. The, and the used car market, even the new car market has been very strange in the last couple of years, too. Yeah. yeah. And nobody has had the one that I want. Hmm. Um, but I I was able to put my name on one that isn't even in production yet. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's, it's hard to get those uh, hybrid or I, I would assume electric vehicles too, right yeah. now. Well, one thing that I wanted to mention too about, about where the market is right now, right, is that yes, oil and gas companies are at the top of the list, top of the leaderboard for 2022. Um, and if we look at, um, I pulled up the numbers on this, actually, the S&P Global 1200 Energy Index, which is all the energy companies, uh, pretty much all the energy companies in the world, uh, carbon carbon energy. Uh, for for 2022, those companies were up 48 and a half percent. Oh, my gosh. Right? Not the uh, 200 percent of the 90s, but. No, but when everything else is down 20, that's still something pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Right. The Global Clean Energy Index, um, also from S&P Standard & Poor's, was down four and three quarters percent. So oh, that's like not a, too bad. That's a 55 percent difference, though. Yes, right? it is. Yes. But when we look a little further out, if we look at a five-year average, uh, the the carbon energy index is up 7.3%, which that's nice. That's pretty good. It is. But the clean energy index is up 18.7. Ah, so and what's the time period on that again? That's five years average. Five years, okay. Five-year average. So, you know, our clients are not, are for the most part, not participating in any of those uh, oil and gas companies. Um, but they but are participating with the global clean energy, right? Yeah. And so it's a small portion of the portfolio, but 11% uh, per year on average over five year period. That's, you know, that's worth thinking about now, you know, right. past performance is no guarantee of future, et cetera, but you know, right. But for our clients who have been, in that part of, you know, in the clean energy market, you know, yes, we're behind right now, but that, that's a short-term thing. And and the, the long-term trend has been uh, definitely um, wind in our wind at our backs. Yes. Well, we want more wind energy companies, so that's perfect. <laughs> there we go. Right? <laughs> yeah. So I know you don't like to give um, projections or, you know, uh, pull out the crystal ball, which, you know, I heard <laughs> fell off the counter and broke, but yeah. tell me what your expectations might be for this year for 2023. Yeah, I, I've been listening to, uh, well, it's the time of year when all of the, uh, the economists uh, make their predictions for what's going to, what's going to be going on this year. Right. And um, you've listened to every single one of them or read every oh, single yes, one, absolutely. right? Yeah. No, all of, of them so not. that you can you can put that data in a spreadsheet and then come up with a prediction, right? Right. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but the, the handful that I do listen to and, and pay the most attention to, are they're the folks who say, well, on the one hand and on the other hand. So, you know, they're very careful to lay out all sides of all arguments, uh, which I love because, you know, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear what, what they think, the most important factors and, and why we want to... Uh, uh, weight them differently, why we want to pay particular attention to this one and why we don't want to pay particular attention to that. So those folks who are, you know, they're taking the, they're taking the time to look at all the different factors and tell us about them. Those folks right now are, are pointing out a couple of things. One is that um, almost all of the big companies in the United States are preparing right now for some kind of a recession in 2023. 
So there's, you know, big job cuts being announced and there's, you know, they're, they're, lay, they're doing layoffs and they're uh, trying to clean up their balance sheets and they're doing this and they're doing that in preparation for a recession. Now, one of the things that that might do is it might actually prevent the recession. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. If they get out ahead of it far enough, it it could, well, it might not prevent it completely, but it might make it a very short, shallow, um, not very bad recession. Well, we'll um, take that if that's the case. I, You know, I would be hip to that. Yeah, yeah that would be yeah. just fine by me. Yeah. Um, and so the the sort of I don't want to say consensus, but the um, the folks that I listen to most closely are suggesting that there is probably a recession coming uh, this year, but it's likely to be not too bad considering. Um, and then the engine of of uh, economic growth uh, should kick right back into gear, and we should move forward into the second half of the year or into twenty twenty four with some good, uh, some good growth prospects. That sounds great to me. And I, you know, you know, I, I, everybody's talking recession, 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 and we haven't had one for a while. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I hesitate to be too optimistic. I, I tend to be an optimistic guy just generally. Right. And so I don't want to be overly optimistic, but I do have, you know, I think it's, it's we're in a pretty good spot. That I sounds think. great. We'll take yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I want to ask you another question um, that you and I had a conversation a few weeks ago, and you made a statement that I thought, okay, that that's that <laughs> right. is such a great concept and and way to look at things. So I'm going to repeat what you said or what I remember you said. Um, you told me that, or you were talking to a client, or I don't remember how it came up, but all investments are future oriented. Now we do talk with people about looking at the long term, uh-huh. but even someone who has money in short term bonds, it's still future oriented. So I- explain what you meant by that. Yeah. Well, so um, there's another. Where did I? I just read this one to another client recently uh, who was on the phone. Um, Gil Weinrich of Seeking Alpha wrote not that long ago, the surplus one spends in retirement stems from the restraint shown pre-retirement, which is the sum and substance of the discipline offered by financial advisors. Right. So the money I I don't spend today is the money I'm going to get to spend when I'm retired, when I'm not earning. Now, so that's that's what financial planning is in some respects is on the one hand how can i save more today and invest it wisely so that i'll have it available for me tomorrow or in some extended sense of tomorrow have it available on down the road and then you know if it falls short what am i going to do how am i going to adjust my expectations or can i save more or you know how can i how can i adjust so yeah, all investing uh, is in some respects future oriented, right? That we we put money in a we buy a bond um, with the promise that they will pay us back uh, the principal that we that we gave to the, that we spent and some interest along the way. 
uh, or we buy a stock. And what we're buying in some respects um, is um, the uh, a claim on the future cash flows, right? The future profits from that company. Exactly. Or maybe the idea that somebody else will buy it from us at a higher price. Well, that I think is also the goal. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's that's a more speculative sense. Right. Of, of, right. You know, it's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. yeah, that's the casino sense of of investing. Right. But so we're, you know, we're buying shares of a company because we think that somewhere down the down the road, somewhere in the future, they're going to have profits that they'll be able to share with us. But interestingly, sustainable investment, like we've been doing for a couple of decades now each, yeah. is even more future oriented than ordinary run of the mill investing, right? I would love for you to tell us how that works in sustainable investing and how that is affecting your clients at Horizons. Right. Well, so every investor is investing for the future. Um, but if if an investor isn't looking at the um, impact that their investments are having on issues of social justice or environmental sustainability, they're sort of doing, they're investing kind of blindly. In, in some respects, right? That they're just investing in whatever seems like it's going to be a good idea. But we're, as sustainable investors, we're explicitly trying to invest not just for a future, but for a better future, right? right. A, a future that is, you know, that has, that's better for people. It's better for the planet. Um, it's and, going to be there still for the younger generations. Right. Yeah. So, you know, in some respects, sure, we could, you know, we could have at the beginning of January bought a whole bunch of uh, carbon energy companies and and increased our portfolio by almost half. But in the process, we would have been contributing to or profiting from the destruction uh, of the planet. Yeah, the destruction of the planet. And we don't want to do that. No, Um, it doesn't make sense to invest today. Um, for a tomorrow that won't exist. Say that again. It, it it doesn't make sense to invest today for a tomorrow that won't exist. Yeah, I it, just really wanted to emphasize that point because yeah, that's that's what you're doing. That's what's so important what there. Yeah. yeah, and I, before I forget, I want to mention if listeners are interested in looking at their portfolios and seeing if they have a lot of oil and gas or weapons, you know, production in there and maybe divest from those things. I know Johan really wants to talk to you about that. So <laughs> you, <laughs> yeah, you can reach him two different ways. You can call 505-982-9661 or email him at info, info. yeah, info at horizonssfs.com. And he'll get back to you and let you know, yeah, what, what you can do in your, with yep. your personal portfolio. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when the markets get wacky like this, um, we we hear a lot of uh, from new clients, from new people calling us to say, you know, my old investment advisor has always told me that sustainable investing is just a great way to lose money. Mm. And well, he lost money this year. <laughs> so <laughs> why not? Why not make a change? Why not go ahead and make a change to sustainable investments? And then we're able to tell them, hey, you know, look, um, yeah, in, 
right now, um, everything is down. Um, but over the longer time period, you know, sustainable investments keep up with uh, the plain vanilla uh, basic benchmarks, if not, maybe exceed them over yeah, longer time. Just a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Just a little. Yeah. Have you noticed uh, anybody who's called you? I'm just throwing this question out there. So if you don't want to answer it right now, that's fine. But have you noticed from anyone who's called um, questions around the ESG pushback that's happening? Oh, um, have I heard any questions about the ESG pushback? Not really. Um, I have heard a couple of people ask uh, questions, something like, "Is how do we know that, you're, um, that you, uh, that Horizons is not just part of this greenwashing thing? Oh, that's a that's great a, question. That's yeah. about as close as we get to it, you know, so... Mm-hmm. They've heard that greenwashing is a thing, right? And they want to know how serious we are about it. And well, you know, to be able to say, well, we've been doing it for more than twenty years. Um, you know, I have a PhD in ethics, <laughs> um, and yeah, we, you know, we have been working with these uh, with the leaders in this industry for twenty years, and we know which firms are doing a good job and taking it seriously and which ones are pretending. Right. Um, it's, it's a process that you research diligently yeah. on a regular basis and making sure that these companies were using the fund, the mutual funds or the managers are really also doing what they mm-hmm. say they're going to mm-hmm. be doing. Yeah. I had a, a conversation with a mutual fund manager. They, they were, desperately wanted to get us to use their fund. Uh, it was one of these that had been recently rebranded as an ESG fund. Mm. Um, and so I was on a Zoom call with um, a, one of the portfolio managers and uh, and somebody from their uh, sustainability team. And I said, okay, well, this is all very good. You know, I, I read your presentation, so you don't need to read it to me. Right. But um, <laughs> how you know, what kind of impact does your ESG criteria, do your ESG criteria make on your actual security selection in your portfolio? How much of a difference does it make? Can you show me some examples? And it was a Zoom call. So there was just some blank stares of, um, what do you mean? Well, <laughs> uh, and that was enough. I, I was. I said, okay, thank you. Know that's good. I don't need to hear anything more. Uh, if, if you don't have an answer right away, right, then I know a lot. You know that tells me immense amounts about how seriously you're actually taking this, which is to say, not at all. So, <laughs> but it, um, yeah, that 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 moment of hesitation of wait, what? How does it impact the portfolio selection? Uh, well. That was enough to tell me that right. I, I didn't um, need to. We don't really know how that happens. We just yeah. guess. <laughs> it doesn't. That doesn't work. Well, and and some of the bigger companies that have uh, that have been touting their ESG credentials over the last couple of years have started getting big multi million dollar fines from the SEC for um, deceptive advertising, among other yes. things. So, and I'm happy know. to see that, and I I yeah. understand that. It's it is part of this national pushback that we're seeing from you know a certain group of people, and I, I don't want to yeah. be 
naming names, <laughs> but you know, it's, it, it's actually probably good for us in this industry long-term to be able to say, Hey, you know, we're not greenwashing. We are serious about this. Mm-hmm. Those people over there might be greenwashing, but we are not. And right. being able to show that I think is, is great. Yep. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to start calling you Dr. Johan. Doctor. Um, Doctor. <laughs> Dr. Johan. Uh, so Dr. Johan, is there anything else you want to mention about 2022, 2023 before we wrap up? Huh. Well, uh, other than that, we miss you desperately. Oh, that's, oh that's we wish you were nice. here. Well, no, uh, it's, <laughs> it seems sure seems like you're doing pretty well in Oregon. Uh, it's all right. Yeah. 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 You know, back in the old homeland. Yeah. Um, I think that the, uh, you know, the um, we're doing pretty well. The clients that we've been talking to have been really calm. Uh, you know, I think we've oh, done yeah. a, a good job over the last few years of letting people know, yeah, that a bad year is coming. It's just a matter of when, not if. Right. Um, and so most of them have been prepared um, for several years with the idea, the understanding that this was coming. Um, and so, you know, I I think we did a good job with that, of, of making sure that they were ready. Um, and so, uh, but I think that now that we have come down a bit, the market is reset. Not that it can't go down again from here. Right. It, it could, knock on wood, it could, won't. yeah. But, you know, we could see some more down periods here in this coming year. I think, you know, another volatile year is not unlikely. But I'm hopeful that from this low point, the market will have some a, a handful of nice strong years ahead of us uh, and that the next few few years uh, will be nicely profitable for ourselves oh, and for yeah. our clients. That sounds great. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep, keep, keep working on that. Well, Johan, uh, sorry, Dr. Johan, Dr. Johan. <laughs> <laughs> um, you could start your own podcast, the Dr. Johan show. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me and talking about all of this and yeah, it's just, it's fun. I miss having these conversations with you on a regular basis. Water Eric, cooler. Yeah. Water cooler talks. Eric, is there anything you want to ask about this? Well, I'll tell you what I, I can tell you from previous conversations, Johan is a brewmeister in some fashion. Right? Uh-huh. Yes. 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 So I think it's uh, a beer with your bro, Dr. Yo podcast. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, there we go. And then you just sit down and talk about all these different things and all the changes we can make to better our environment, better our our situation. So that could be a thing. Yeah, a beer with your bro, Dr. Yo. That's right. Pour myself out a nice pint of stout and we'll have a nice conversation. All right, we're going to do that next time. Okay. We'll record in the afternoon so you can have a beer. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, bring that up. <laughs> now, this has been fantastic. And, and one thing that really stuck out to me is that, Johan, I love the fact that, and, and Kim obviously has been this way uh, through all the podcasts as well. You're very straightforward and you're 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 just speaking truth. Hey, look, you know, the, the portfolios that our folks are in aren't going to be as high as some of these others that are out there. But you know what? They don't care and we don't care because of the fact that we're doing better than 
some other investor that sure they're going to make a little bit more money but at the end of the day they're going to be spending it on gas masks if we keep screwing this planet <laughs> up right so. right yeah, yeah. well yeah. you know we're, we're doing well and we're doing good yes um, absolutely. maybe we could do better if we were willing to do bad but i'm mm, not i don't know if that's true it. yeah not, and not, i don't, not I don't the, think it's true anymore the, i need to make a blog post there's some people out there right now who are arguing and and it's a it's a long uh, there's a long history of this, uh, right? The argument that, oh, well, if we just invest in the bad things, then we can make more profits. Um, and donate and, it? And, well, <laughs> we can make more profits and do something with it, right? But right. It's, it's actually from book one of Plato's Republic. The character oh, of Thrasymachus yeah. stands up and says, hey, Socrates, don't you know that you can make more profit if you're bad? And essentially the whole rest of the of Plato's Republic is a response so to that. It's a tale as old as time. 2,500 years, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, they keep trying to make that argument and it keeps not working. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just want to mention on some upcoming podcasts, I'm planning on having a guest from As You Sow, a um, nonprofit cool. organization that does um, shareholder adv advocacy. And Johan and I are planning are planning another conversation, Eric, just so you know. Nice. Um, we want to do a conversation between the two of us as if I'm a new client. We have so many people who don't really know what to expect when they come in and meet with Johan. So we're going to give them a sample of that. Oh, that's exciting. That, that'll be fantastic because I'll be able to just sit there, listen to you guys and drink my beer. And there we go. Yes. Yeah, I, can I will make <laughs> sure we schedule it in the afternoon and um, I'll have some wine. I'm not a beer drinker. There you go. But no yeah. judgment. <laughs> Great. All right. Thanks. And again, just a reminder, if you are listening and you want to talk about portfolios and how you can make your portfolio cleaner and creating a brighter, better future, email Johan at info at horizonssfs.com. Perfect. Johan, always a pleasure. So good to see you, my friend. Kim, Thanks, thank you, of course, for continuing to bring great content to the audience. And speaking of you, the audience, our last thank yous for you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Gago Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review, as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast, reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505-982-9661 and be sure to ask for Johan Klassen. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor 
can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego-Kyle produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.